Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of There's No Place Like Summer Camp. I'm your host, Andrew Waterhouse, and in today's episode, I'm going to be doing a read of my book, There's No Place Like Summer Camp. You're going to get a sneak preview of what it's like on that first day of my book, There's No Place Like Summer Camp. It is available on Amazon and other retail platforms as well if you want to grab yourself a copy. The audiobook is going to be something that will come out much later on when I get that all settled out. So if you do enjoy this episode, go and check the book. It's called There's No Place Like Summer Camp, and I hope you enjoy. Coming into our tent, and I'll spoil the beans. Before camp slash staff week. Thursday, the 29th of May, five stars. Bring, bring. My phone danced a vibrating jig as I jumped up and turned off the first of my many alarms set for 5am. I felt the same excited giddiness my phone shared as today was the day I'd been waiting for. Four months in the making had all come down to this. Departure day for Camp America. I rushed over to my mum's door and creaked the door open. Hey, mum, I whispered. No answer. Mum, whispering again. Oi, mum, wake up. I've got to get to Heathrow, I said aloud. She groaned something inaudible into her pillow, so I flicked the light on before making my last-minute preparations. I hate to be that guy, but there was no way I was going to be late for my flight to America. While checking over my packing list for the hundredth time, Mum shuffled out of her room like a zombie. So, you ready then? She muttered, bleary-eyed, clearly woken from a deep slumber. Yeah, I think so. I just need to pack my charges, I replied, from the top of my bulging suitcase. Okay, well, anything you do forget, I'm sure they're going to sell it over there. And make sure you bring your passport she said with her usual sarcasm as she went to wake my sisters. I could tell in the tone of her voice that she was in disbelief that this was actually happening. Me, of all people, solo travelling. Mum had never been one to travel abroad, particularly if it was just our family going. She needed that reassurance of another adult to book it all. As such, I'd only been out of the UK a couple of times, and never by myself. Even going to the cinema alone sounded otherworldly. Despite the early wake-up, I was alert and excited en route to Heathrow, trying to take in as much of Potter's Bar as I could. I wanted to remember as much of my small, mundane town as possible. Things might change while I was gone, but I doubted it. It felt weird that I'd be leaving this place behind for three months. While the early birds I saw drove to work, Tesco or the gym... I felt like an outside observer, betraying the routine of life. The maze of Heathrow Terminal 2 meant we didn't have long to hang about. I clanged my hefty suitcase out of the boot, and I spotted my coat. I should take that. I swiped it up, panicking about my packing. We power walked over to the check-in desk, and my two younger sisters, Lucy, aged 11, and Jess, aged 16, joined Mum, who held off for a minute. I checked in the bags, with all my passports and visas accounted for. 
I return to the family, plane ticket in hand and carry-on luggage weighing me down. Mum sniffled back the tears. Oh my God, are you crying? I asked in disbelief. I'm fine, it's just a lot to take in. I never thought you'd do something like this. I just wish I'd done Camp America when I was your age, Mum replied as she wiped away her remaining tears. It was a phrase I'd heard so many 40-somethings say to me when I mentioned Camp America. It had spurred me on to actually go through with applying. I didn't want to look back on my life with regret. Enveloped in a hug, I caught sight of the time. Thirty minutes till my gate opened. Ah, oh, crap! I've got to go! I panicked. Ah, oh, don't leave yet. I want some pictures, Jess cried. I couldn't make my sisters betray their typical teenage afternoon wake-up for nothing. The idea of pictures for my own phone sounded like a good idea too, for it would be months until I saw them again. I summoned the courage to nab a passerby to take a few photos in a group hug, but it was really time for me to shoot off. Lucy gave me the biggest hug she could stretch around me. She always admired me and her eyes were beaming. Call us when you get there she said, reluctantly letting go. Will do, and take care of Muffin for me, I said. My voice trailed off, and I stepped a foot into the unknown. I didn't dare look back, as I struggled to hold in the tears myself. Catching a glimpse of the family I hadn't left for 21 years was too much to bear. I felt so emotional, but I regained myself, but keeping back the tears, unlike last night. Yesterday, I'd said my goodbyes to Bethany, my girlfriend of five years. As usual, I had spent the evening at her house, and we'd order KFC as a departing meal. After the Netflix and chill session came to an end, I needed to go home to catch a few hours sleep for the early morning flight. After our goodbye, I walked home under the glow of a perfect midnight moon, surprised to find that I was crying. After months of preparation for summer camp, for the first time, I felt dejected about going. I knew what she would do when I was not around. Her history of being unfaithful would test us to our breaking point. Regaining composure, I took a deep breath. <sighs> deep down, I knew this was right. I turned the key to my front door, rushed upstairs and did my best to get some sleep. Leaving Bethany put it all into a new perspective. I was putting everything on the line for summer camp. Once past the barriers where the family could no longer see me, as I waved goodbye, I found a seat to calm my nerves. My flight was yet to be called, so I brought out the itinerary that I had read a thousand times before. The first flight is to New York with Sarah, where we would then catch a second flight to Atlanta, and then from there, camp are going to pick us up and drive us to Camp Honeystone. As I muttered that under my breath, it didn't feel real. Knowing I'd be at camp by the end of the day was crazy. I'd applied a loan for Camp America, and part of the process was an orientation day, where us volunteers were brought up to speed on what to expect. Out of the hundreds, I had happened to bump into Sarah there, who happened to be going to the same camp as I, who was also on my flight. But she was nowhere to be seen. 
United Airlines, flight BX302, we are ready to board, came over the tannoy. I was about to embark on the most exciting trip of my life. The seven-hour flight to New York felt like an eternity. Sarah never showed up, so I watched movies and played some video games. I tried to get some sleep where possible, but my mind kept me awake, thinking about what was to come, what I was leaving behind, and where on earth Sarah was. Being on a flight where I knew no one had been inconceivable only months ago. Someone sitting close to me was also going to a camp. Our matching Camp America t-shirts were the giveaway sign. Despite this, I didn't speak to her. I'd applied to camp to make new friends, experience culture, and step out of my comfort zone. And already, I told myself that this girl wouldn't be at Honeystone. It would be wasted breath. On touchdown at Newark Airport, I was stressing out. What happens to my check-in luggage? Do I have to collect it? Does it automatically get moved to my next flight? For the first time in my life, I felt like a foreigner. It's funny how you only consider these sorts of things when you're in the moment. They had never crossed my mind during my many months of preparation for America. The packing, trying to find people going to the same camp, getting money converted, the passports and the visas. I never considered what to do about changing flights. I get why mum has never done this. I asked a member of staff, but his long-winded reply didn't sink in. So, do I have to move my bag or not? I asked, presenting my tickets, wanting a direct yes or no. With a glance at the tickets and a shake of the head, I was ready for round two, my flight to Atlanta. As I wandered through the American airport, I was hit with the smell of deep fat fryers from names of takeouts I hadn't seen before. The smell of fried chicken, albeit tempting, wouldn't sit well in my uneasy stomach. Though it did make me excited and giddy again. I was in a different continent and it brought me back memories of the time I had been to the USA once before. In 2012, I won the best competition prize ever. A three-night stay in the Waldorf Astoria, New York. My name had been plucked from a hat and I was in disbelief when they called to announce the news. Weirdly, I was one of those who had won plenty of competitions before, but nothing quite on this scale. I was torn on who to take, the girlfriend I had been struggling to maintain any level of trust with, or my mum who had just finished chemotherapy. And once that thought crossed my mind, it was clear who was going to be joining me. My mum had a once-in-a-lifetime trip to New York. It was the perfect gift to celebrate her battling through cancer and chemotherapy. Being pretty middle class, we've never even dreamed of going to America, but here we were, an opportunity we couldn't turn down. In the four days we were out there, we crammed as many tourist destinations in as we could. The Empire State Building, World Trade Center Memorial, Times Square, Central Park, the Statue of Liberty, and we even did a boat tour, all in the comfort of one of the most premium hotels in America. I fell in love with America that day, 
and it was the proudest thing I'd ever done, which would take some beating. I found my departure gate, and in the hustle and bustle of Camp America shirts, a familiar face caught my eye. I wandered on over, Sarah oblivious to my attendance, while she waited on the terminal chairs. Where have you been? Oh my god, Andrew! It's so nice to see you! Startled by my presence, she jumped up, only weighed down by her rucksack, and hugged me. Finally, after three hours of travelling alone, I had found her, the stranger who had become a friend. Sorry, I didn't realise, but my flight was one just before yours, and you don't get any signal on a plane, Sarah cried out with a tired, jet-lagged puff of excitement. Do you know any others who are coming to Honeystone? Sarah asked after her courteous questions about how our flights had gone. No, I've only seen our Facebook group, but that's about it. What about you? Same. So, what are you actually doing this summer? Sarah asked, laughing at the absurdity of not knowing each other's jobs. I'm an outdoor living specialist, whatever that means. I think they said I'll be doing campouts, campfires and that, I replied. Ah, oh, so you're going to be doing the s'mores. You're the small man. Wow, that's something a deafs want to have. I'm going to be the mountain biking specialist. Blimmin' heck, that's sick, I said, mouth ajar. I didn't even know camp had that. I tried to process how this tomboy had perhaps the coolest job at camp, coupled with the fact I didn't actually have any idea of what a s'more actually was. So, you do much biking then? I said, wanting to know more about my one connection to camp. Yep. I'm part of a group back home. Taught kids for a couple of years. We won the regionals last year. My mind flashed back to the pre-application days, worried about my lack of official experience with kids. Do you know when we're going to get into Atlanta? She nudged which brought me back to earth. I whipped out the itinerary again. It would be a good couple of hours until we'd be in Atlanta airport where we would find a meeting point for our lift to camp. Hey, you mind if I sit with you? Some other Camp America volunteer interrupted. Looking around, trying to take everything in, I could see hundreds of 20-somethings with the same white and blue Camp America t-shirts as me blending into the bustle of travellers. Yeah, sure, I'm Sarah. Where are you off to? Sarah asked, while I again avoided speaking to someone new. I'm Scott, heading off to Texas. It's my third year as a counsellor, he continued. Are you all new to this? I can tell by your faces. Sarah and I nodded in a puzzled awe. I couldn't pinpoint his accent, but it definitely wasn't British. Well, you're going to have the time of your lives. I bet in a year's time I'll see you on these very seats again. We laughed, but then a look of dread fell over Sarah's face. In a panic, she fumbled through her bags and pockets. Oh, fuck! I've lost my Pandora bracelet, she cried in desperation. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. It's from Luke. I can't go to camp without it. It can't be far. Where was the last place you had it? I asked. 
Oh, shit. It's back at security. I'll see you on the plane. Her voice trailed off as her short, athletic bod hurried to the other terminal. Throughout Sarah's chats with the new guy, we hadn't realised that the boarding had already begun. With 15 minutes till our plane departed, I felt torn about what to do. The one friend I had made, and I doubted whether she would catch this flight in time. Should I wait for her? I asked Scott, unable to hold my apprehension. It could mean I miss my flight, or... Do I get on this? I craved a second opinion. I'd say get on this flight, dude. You have to look out for yourself. With a quick goodbye to Scott, I ended up getting on the flight, worried whether Sarah would make it. She's a grown lady, I kept telling myself. Yet I felt like I was lying. She was so petite and a couple of years younger than me. Plus, she was the only person I knew from camp and it felt like I was betraying her. I frequently glanced down the aisle of the plane to see whether my friend would make it. With two minutes till doors closed and the tannoy echoing her name, she stepped afoot on the plane and my heartbeat returned to normal. Oh my God, I can't believe I left that, she panted. They made me take it off because it's metal. My boyfriend would have killed me if I left that behind. The doors closed promptly before Sarah had even found her seat. And I could finally focus on how bad the plane was. Just three seats to a row. How on earth this thing balanced, with two thirds of the weight on one side, I would never know. It felt so cheap, but thankfully, Sarah, her bracelet and I were together. The journey to Atlanta was quick. By the time I had dozed off, we had touched down. The instant I passed the comfort of the air-conditioned plane, a wall of heat hit me. It was here I knew that picking up my coat at last minute from the car was a mistake. I wasn't in the UK anymore. One of the first things we did was go to the loo, and inside the cracks of the bathroom doors brought back memories from my 2012 trip. Why does America have them? It's so weird. I caught glancing eye contact from those waiting outside. Gross. And there's the overflowing water they have too. Why does America have toilet water that skims the curve of your butt cheeks? In a different continent to my family, friends, and for that matter, anyone I knew in the world, I had to take my IBS tablets. After I released an unholy mess, Sarah and I collected our bags and we used an underground train to find the meeting point. I'd never seen anything quite like it. A dedicated underground train system in an airport just to get between terminals. Madness. We looked down at my notes like lost tourists until we found the meeting point and a group of 15 people at it. Hey, you guys coming to Honeystone? An elderly gent said as we approached with unease. Yeah, you've been waiting long, Sarah replied. Only a couple of hours, but you're the last we need, so let's shoot. I'm Gary, by the way. Nice to meet you, pal. We rolled our suitcases along and followed Gary outside. Intermingled with the staff we'd be spending the summer with, a question took me off guard. Hey, I'm Jeffrey. Where are you from? came an outstretched hand. I manoeuvred my hefty bags to shake his hand. Oh, 
Hi, I'm Andrew. We're from England. As I nodded to Sarah Head, who was chatting cheerily to the others. What about you? Uh, we're from Israel, the Israeli delegation. He smiled to his friends. Most of us already know each other, but not all of us have been to camp before. I have, though. Uh, I used to come as a camper, too. His words lost me mid-conversation. The jet lag kicked in, and the conversation soon dried up. I refocused and realised that I was in a minority. People around me were speaking in a language I hadn't heard before. Again, I felt foreign, like I had been taken up by the wrong group. Is this what it's going to be like for the rest of summer? I thought I'd be with English-speaking Americans. I tried to repress these thoughts. It was a massive culture shock to find that so many of my fellow campers were Israeli. I'd never met a single Israeli before. Sarah was fitting in while I longed for some familiar English company. I had thought that I would make friends, but so far I'd struggled to speak to anyone. I began to feel as though I'd made a mistake. We squeezed our suitcases into the minibus in a fashion that clowns would be proud of. Climbing into a disappointingly typical minibus that you'd find in Britain, it wouldn't be long till we'd be at summer camp. Also, I thought. The drive was so fucking slow. For an eternity, we drove through Atlanta city centre, and outside the windows was a downpour that obscured the American city lights and the Grand Theft Auto feel the country boasts. I felt drained from all the travelling, but the excitement of what was to come kept me awake in limbo. I didn't know whether to sleep, as I was constantly thinking we surely must be there by now. Having travelled for over 20 hours, I felt like death. I was worn out without having placed a single foot in camp. I closed my eyes, yet time and time again, the Israelis kept me awake. They didn't have the same jet lag that I was tarnished with. Somehow their bodies didn't have the same off switch that mine was trying to flick. I couldn't sleep, and they were pissing me off. Cracking open an eye, I found a smoking hot Israeli senorita eyeing me up the whole journey. The way she was sat so deductively and the glancing eye contact kept me awake. If this is what camp's going to be like, sign me up. But again, words wouldn't come from me. As per usual, I, the quiet, nervous Brit, pussied out. I'll leave her guessing, I thought dumbly. Wake up, we're here, came the words from our driver. After the hours of travelling, at 2am UK time and 9pm in Atlanta, we pulled into a dense forestry of Camp Honeystone. In the middle of what would now become home, I was alert, excited to finally experience the Camp America dream. I eagerly looked through the windows, dripping with condensation, but it was way too dark to see anything. Everyone was leaning towards the windscreen, for any clue we were at camp would be like gold dust. Out of the darkness, a slim brunette woman hopped on to greet us. Hey guys, how you all feeling? Long ride? Finally, it was an American voice. She heard a few groans back. Well, I'm Kirsty, and I'm here to welcome you to camp for the summer. Welcome to Camp Honeystone. Woohoo! She got cheers for that.
Well, seeing as it's late, we can't show you much of camp. Instead, we're going to settle you in for your living quarters. Gary is going to be dropping you off, so look out for your name and settle in for the night. You'll see a lot more of camp tomorrow. And off she hopped. The girls were dropped off at one building and the boys at another. We carried our bags down the steep, uneven steps to where we would be sleeping for the summer. Our dorms were tucked beneath a large building with four different rooms and our names blue-tacked on the doors. To find my name mixed in with the other strangers was a relief, as before camp I felt worried whether we'd have to pick our own rooms for the summer. That would inevitably have left me to stay with the other nervous internationals. I took the time to settle into my room. There was no one from my room with me, but I could see two people who had already settled into their chosen single beds. I picked mine by the front door, leaving three single beds remaining in our large, open room. I unpacked my suitcase into the drawers and shelving before exploring further. At the end of the room was a bathroom. Already, an Israeli from the other connected bedroom had hopped into the open shower where I had full view of his hairy arse. I set out my toothbrush and facial scrub near one of the sinks before going for another shit. I may have peeked through the crack of the door to laugh at the absurdity of some stranger showering fully nude beside me. After my own shower, I glanced through the connected bedroom to introduce myself to Harry Arse. I'm sure he said his name was Hugo, but my mind was still rattled with jet lag and I felt totally out of place. It was embarrassing when I asked how Ukraine was when he had told me minutes ago he was from Israel. Oops, goes to show how cultured I am. I was shattered and it was tempting to sleep, but there was no way I was going straight to bed. I had to venture around camp a bit before I found the staff room in amongst the wilderness. I needed to at least speak to some new faces today. So far, I'd been a nervous mess. Inside the staff room, there must have been about 20 people I hadn't seen before. I took a deep breath at the door before I struggled to get in. Why won't this fucking thing open? I stressed while more people noticed my struggle. Someone finally came over to help. To get in, you pull the handle up. What a way to make me look like a knob. Inside, I found the Honeystone Brits, whom I had only seen on the British Facebook group before. Hey, you're Andrew, right? Came from a skinny blonde. Yeah, you're Lana. How long have you been here? Oh, it's our third day now. Welcome to the club, she cheered. On went the introductions, but everyone was in one conversation or another. Finally, seeing them in person and hearing some familiar accents, I began to feel at ease. Hey bro, I'm Sam, came an outstretched hand. He was in the middle of a circle of busy sofas, and the accent was slightly off. Australian? I've just arrived, I'm Andrew. Holy shit, I know who you are. Jordan's been looking all over for you. Wait till you meet him, Sam grinned. Jordan. For the next half an hour, I hung around with all these new faces, trying to fend off the jet lag. I felt a little like Harry Potter, as Sam had known my name for no good reason. 
I edged in on conversations, but many were way above my pay grade. Talks of politics, wars, Jewishness? It's something I would have to get used to. I learned that Sam was the model aeroplane specialist, and he was from New Zealand of all places. Not Australia. They get annoyed by that. His flight was longer than the one I'd had to endure, clocking at over 30 hours compared to my 10. So I couldn't complain about jet lag too much. My first impression was that I wasn't going to like him, as he looked like an old bully of mine. But we clicked, and he also happened to be one of the people I was sharing my room with. Suddenly I heard, Andrew! Loudly from behind. Andrew! Spinning around, I saw a broad, brown-haired American striding towards me, and boy was he excited. I know who you are, he said as he pulled me into a bear hug. I felt exhilarated. My worries of being the uncool guy fell away in that instant. Dude, I've been waiting for over three days now, and I've got a raging boner waiting for you. This guy was already proving to be quite a character. I guessed that this was Jordan, my co-worker for the summer. <laughs> I'm excited to see you, man. Uh, how do you know who I am? Have you have you done this before? I replied as I checked out his sleeve tattoos. Nope, totally new to this, and duh, I have Facebook. I couldn't wait to see you, man. I may have done some serious cyber-stalking. We're cold for the summer, man. He squeezed me again. I used to be in the Air Force. I served time in Afghanistan as a medic for a few years, so I know a thing or two. TJ said you got some scouts experience. We should be a good match, dude. He said with his smoky American accent. My jaw dropped. His Air Force medic credentials made my scouting experience pale in comparison. Our conversation ebbed and flowed for a good 20 minutes, only coming to an end when it was time to hit the sack. He'd given me papers and a whole load of info on the activities we did at camp, which I had to read. He'd been to one of the campsites already, where apparently he'd seen snakes while clearing the area out. In all, I was shattered. Travelling had taken it out of me, but I was so proud of myself. Proud that I had made this leap of faith, coming to Camp America to live a dream. And I was proud that I had come to the staff room instead of going to bed. It was so unlike me to do that. It was unlike me to even be here. I'd made a conscious effort on this first impressions day to set the bar high. I had some familiar faces to wake up to tomorrow, and I was buzzing to see what Camp America was all about.